Cat Bounce Podcast back at it again. And I tell you what, <laughs> just another normal week in Bearcat land. Nothing too crazy on the basketball or the football side since we last talked. You know, Aaron, just say, how are we? It's it's certainly been a very interesting week. I tell you what, for this being my first full year on the beat, there is never a dull moment. It's absolutely insane. Oh, so you mean there was some news during this week? I heard there was a press conference. I didn't get to go, but I heard there was a press conference. You know what? If, if there is news from this week, I am fired up. I tell you what, if there was news this week, I am fired up, Aaron, because there was. You want to know why I'm fired up? Why are you Because there was a spring game that took place on Saturday in the rain, dreary. You know, it was the, the elements were out, if you will, especially during a, a somewhat what spring type type setting that it wasn't spring yet, but uh, it felt like a little bit of, of football weather weather in, uh, in April. How about that? Wetter might have been the actual appropriate word. <laughs> yeah, that was my pun. That was my pun. A little football wetter. You're but so that, punny. You know, that was the big news. Chad, what? You're so punny. Thank you. I know. We tend to go off on some pungents here and there. But anyway, you know, that was the big news from this past week. Obviously, we can throw away the joke now. Wes Miller, we're going to dive into that thoroughly after this. Because it's every other week, which means... We got our guy. The man, the myth. The... The guy that will give us all the inside to that thrilling, I believe it was 35 to 29 offensive victory that took place <laughs> on Saturday at the spring game in the elements. Brady Collins, how are we? We're doing great, boys. How about you? I don't know if I'd say it was thrilling, but I'd say it was uh, it was definitely a successful day. And uh, like like I was joking with coach at midfield, I was like, man, every time we have like a big game or just a big event, it's always bad weather. And you know what? Hey, we thrive off that. You know, that's a little Clifton style in us. So, you know, you, you had the military bowl in the rain. You had the Birmingham bowl in the rain. And then you had the ACC or the AAC championship last year in the rain. So why, why not have, you know, the spring game in a little bit of rain? No big deal. I like that. I like that. Aaron, questions? How the hell is this thing scored? <laughs> <laughs> that's the question everyone's wondering, Brady. Well, I'll tell you what. It, tell uh, you, you'd have to kill you. Yeah. It was funny. We were having a team meeting, I think, uh, Friday. You know, Coach Fix going over everything real quick, and he's hitting the team fast. And, you know, all right, you get a first down. It's this many. And the defense gets three points every five minutes. And this, 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 that, that. And, like, even I was in the back of the room, and I'm like, all right, I'm lost. And, uh, you know, again, there's always a rhyme to the reason. We, we don't want you to worry about, you know, how you're going to score, how you're going to do it. Obviously, there's two objectives. Number one is obviously to play as hard as you can, right? You're going to mess up. You're going to make mistakes. You know, we just want to see guys that are going to go. And then, uh, you know, obviously you want to win. So how are you going to win? If you're an offensive guy, you got to put your team in position to score points. If you're a defensive guy, you got to stop them. And whether that's turnovers or three and outs or, you know, the drive stalls and, you know, um, but it was, it was a great day. A lot of, a lot of good things uh, that we can take away from it and continue to learn and grow and carry us into the uh, summer offseason. Brady, I'm going to dive right into it. We got to talk about this, this absolute beast on the defensive side of the football. Just, just a thriller off that second level of the defense. 
And I'm talking about none other than Ryan Royer. How about that guy? Just primed and ready for a breakout season this upcoming year. But all joking aside, Ryan Royer has to be an absolute gem to have on the roster. He absolutely is. Uh, Royer is the uh, he's the king of the show, which if you notice, every time he play, he does this motion. And that's yep. that Raise the roof, yeah. that's a special crew on the defense that, you know, you, there's certain things that you have to do in order to get into the show. But uh, no, Ryan's a great kid. Um, you know, he's from Hilliard Davidson up there in Columbus. So he comes from a great high school program. Um, you know, a kid that came in as a walk on is just you know, done everything the right way. He works his butt off day in and day out. He's a tremendous teammate. Um, he's unselfish, gets the best out of others. And he, I mean, he's a genuine, he's a genuine to be around. Like, you know, you could tell him to do this, that, and that, and he's going to do it. And then some, so when, uh, when we see, when we get to see Royer go out there and have fun and make plays, all it does is get everybody excited. And, uh, you know, he's a, he's a big special team guy for us. And, you know, hopefully we'll put him in some positions this year where we're, you know, we're taking care of business in the game that we can throw Royer out there and let him have some fun. There's has- nobody, there's nobody the guys love more than seeing Ryan Royer make a play, right? They exploded off the sidelines <laughs> every time he did something. And it was like five times. Absolutely. They love it. It's, uh, it's funny because, you know, when we always get to a certain period in, in practice and even the other day, you know, it might have, you know, the the threes or this kind of label towards it when really it just becomes the Royer show because he's just going like a bat out of hell, hitting the A gap, hitting the B gap. He might not even be doing what the defense is calling. He's just out there making plays. Andy Ooh. likes to scuffle a little bit. <laughs> he loves it. He's the first one to get up in someone's face and, you know, have fun with them and all that stuff. And, you know, but again, he's, he's a competitor. He's a great kid. Um, but you know, you got to have kids like that on your team that are just, you know, unbelievable kids with great worth ethics or work ethics and just, you know, do everything they can to, to help the better of the whole entire program. So who had the bigger hit during the game? Was it the Will Adams hit or the Darian Beavers hit? Oh man, I'd have to give it to Will, AKA slime Adams. I mean, that was, Ah. that was a hit. Yeah. That's his nickname slime. Um, you know, he, he met Ethan Wright and I tell you what, that was, that was a collision Yeah, and, uh, you know, to both those guys credit, those guys, they train really hard. They're great kids. They go really hard. Um, they pop right back up and got right back at it. But I would have to say the Will Adams, AKA slime on Ethan Wright was definitely a lot harder than the Beavers hit. Well, let's, I, let's real quick, Brent. I, I, I keep waiting for one of the young guys to take that second team safety spot. Well, Adams isn't letting that thing go easy. Like you're on, you're on, you might literally have to fight him for it. Like he's made some plays. Like he gets out there and he had one, what, Tuesday, I think, where he put a guy on his, or Monday, he put a guy on his ass and just kind of stood over him a little bit, let him know, you know, I'm back here. Like for a walk on, he's not giving up his spot. He's not stepping aside just to let the young guys cruise past him. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a huge testament to who he is as a person, no doubt. Um, I mean, we love Will inside the weight room, inside the locker room, on the field. He, again, just like Royer, he's a great kid. Everybody needs a Will Adams on their team. Again, a kid that's unselfish, um, you know, is just going to do everything he can to make the others around him better. But, you know, I, I'm proud of him because he's 
us and his buddies worked his ass off all winter. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, you know, fighting for a job, whether it's on special teams or backup or whatever it may be. I mean, you know, he's a guy that you, you've earned trust and you can count on to make plays. I, I do want to talk about Beavers for a second though, because, you know, we were, we were down there on the sideline at, at, well, right behind the end zone, just kind of watching the linebackers warm up. And I mean, Darian Beavers is, is a different type of player out there. He, he looks like a, a bona fide NFL player right now. And just, just talk about, we've, I mean, we've already touched on it up until this point, but just talk about what he's going to be bringing this next year. Is this, is he kind of up there with the, the higher level athletes that you've been a part of during your time as a, as a coach? Absolutely. He is. I mean, he got to us, you know, he was, he was a very raw, you know, young man. He was, you know, barely 230 pounds. You know, again, I always gave him crap because he came from UConn, not a knock on UConn, just, you know, interconference thing, giving him crap. But uh, to a testament to him, I mean, he's worked his tail off. Um, and again, I, I, I push his ass every single day. We all do. Coach does. Um, his players around him, his brothers, they all push him because we know what's there. We know what's inside him. And he is an athletic, genetic, you know, gifted human being. But there's still so much more that, you know, he hasn't shown. And it's not about, you know, how fast he is or how strong he is or how he can jump and this and that. It's it's really getting his physicality to kind of take over because when you're six, four and a half and you're 260 pounds, you should be dominant. But now it's OK. Can you have that tenacity, that aggressiveness to just go and whoop ass every single play and uh, really proud of him. He's done a great job this offseason and, uh, you know, just watching him move and still perform at a high level at the added weight that he's added on this offseason. It's only, you know, giving me mo more motivation and uh, ways to push him and, you know, goals to attend to him for this upcoming summer offseason. Now, as we were taking in the whole team, as they're going through their warmups and everything, two of the guys that stood out as having looked like they put on some weight, and I'm kind of curious as to how much and, and who did it better, um, Sauce? actually looks you can tell like he's certainly put on some weight and also Evan Prater so I'm just kind of you know looking at the skinny guys as, as that's where I relate yeah uh, you know just trying to wonder uh you know who's who's done it better this offseason you know the skinny guys are always going to be the ones that you can obviously tell right away because they come in you know skinny and then all of a sudden they start developing that lean mass and they put on that good weight um you know Evan he's put on a good 20 plus pounds and even Ahmad you know, since, since the day he got here, realistically, he's put on almost 50 pounds and that's crazy to think, but, you know, again, Ahmad came in 155 pounds, soaking wet, all that stuff, just tall, long, skinny. And, uh, you know, they, they've both had great off seasons. Um, there's still so much more left in there. I mean, you look at Ahmad, you know, he's, he's every bit of six, three, he's long, um, you know, he's pushing 195 right now. And, you know, like I told him the other day, you look at the, top guys that are getting drafted or about to be drafted, they're all 200 plus. And I said, you could easily hold that. So, you know, that's our new goal. That's our new mission. Um, Evan is still just a, a ball of clay. He could be as every bit as 230 pounds when it's all said and done. And, you know, we're going to continue to, um, you know, methodically push him and, uh, you know, develop him the right way to get him to that weight. So he's not putting on bad weight, but, it's uh, it's always fun to see those skinny guys, no doubt, put on some good weight. For sure. Now, 
size is awesome, Brady. You know, size is good. It's always being big, strong. You, you win with beef, my friend. You win with beef. Amen. But but recently, though, speed has really taken a no a whole different <clears throat> level in not only college football, but the NFL and football in general. And I got a little birdie in my ear that you think this is one of the fastest teams you've ever been a part of. Can you kind of just roll on that? Tell me a little bit more about the speed that this team has. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we, we're benefit or, you know, we have some sports science things that we do where we track, you know, the guys GPS distances and how fast they go and their D cells and all that stuff. And, you know, just from the last uh, spring game, our last practice, Michael Young was the fastest guy who was 20.5 miles per hour. Now that's, that's moving. And we didn't, we didn't get to test Michael in the spring, um, you know, his 40 and everything like we did everybody else because he had a little groin um, surgery that got done after the year and he's all great now and all that stuff. But so to see that and then compare it to the Trey Tuckers and the Tyler Scott's and the Ethan Wright's, the Ahmad Gardner's and all that, you're like, Holy cow. All right. And, uh, you know, it was funny because earlier today I was with all my staff and we're just kind of talking about, you know, everybody in the, the projected too deep and all that stuff. And I had to go back and I'm like, you know, just thinking of my Ohio State days, my Mississippi State days. And I'm like, this might be one of the fastest teams I've ever been around where, yes, testing speed is one thing where, you know, Alec Pierce, he runs a 4-4-5-40. That's really fast. Uh, Tyler Scott, you know, he's the 4-2-9 guy. Trey Tucker's a four, three guy. And then all of a sudden, when you start putting those guys out there and you're like matching it up, you're like, okay, wow. Yeah. That's the fastest whiteouts we've ever had. Okay. What's the running back look like? Oh, Jerome Ford. He's a four, four guy. Yeah. That's fast. What's Jerome's backup. Like, Oh, those guys are four fives. Okay. That's still fast. The quarterbacks are four five tight ends are four, six. Um, and then like, you know, you just turn it around, you go on the defensive side. All right. Well, you know, the corners are four or five guys. The back end safeties, you got a four four and a four five like eight guy. The linebackers are anywhere from uh four five to four seven. And then you got a DN that runs a four five six. You're just like, all right, that's kind of crazy. But, but you know, I take it to another level because you know the culture of our program and just the way our guys are coached and uh, you know, just how we play the game, there's testing speed and then there's game speed. And I think our guys no doubt play way faster than, you know, their testing speed, because again, you, you may look good, like I said earlier in uh, t-shirt and shorts running and, you know, feel good and all that stuff. But when the game's on and, you know, the lights are on and all that stuff, I mean, you got to play fast and it is, it's one of the fastest teams I've been around. Now, how much of a testament is it to you and what you've been doing this whole off season when you make it through a game like that without any injuries of note anyway, and, you know, just see all the guys come off the field relatively healthy. I mean, it, it is, I mean, you know, deep down, I'd be lying if I said it's not, you know, not one of those things where I'm like, yay. And, you know, hat on at the end of the day, but um, I mean, it is because again, my, my two goals are one, I got to maximize your genetic potential, which again, God bless all these young men gave them certain skills and talents and I got to reach in their heart and dig it out and get more. But uh, obviously the number one thing or the number two thing I do is I got to keep them healthy because, you know, durability is way more important than ability. You can be a great running back that can carry the ball 10 times and, you know, take some hits and all that stuff, but then you get knocked out of the game or, you know, I'm a wide out that I can burn you for two plays as opposed to the whole game and all those certain things. But, um, 
you know, it is, it's kind of a, a testament. I hang my hat on to uh, myself and our staff. You know, we do a great job of not only just training the guys, but taking care of them with, you know, nutrition and just recovery and rehab treatments, all that stuff. Um, Aaron Himmler, our uh, head trainer and Michelle Galvin doing all the things in the training room. I mean, that's a huge testament to them, but uh, you know, it's also just the way we practice, the way we coach and the way we, you know, play the game. Um, our guys go hard and you know, there's going to be collisions. There's going to be some bumps and bruises and all that stuff. And sometimes you got to fight through them. Sometimes you got to, you know, work your way back from a little boo-boo and all that stuff. But it was, it was a great day. It was a successful day an injury free day. And uh, you know, just looking forward to continue it on in the summer and then getting into fall camp. Did, did I hear you say a, a DN that runs a four five six? You did. You did hear that. How about my Jay Sanders? It, well, so we know, obviously, my Jay was you get your reps in, then we're going to we're we're going to hold you out. Snap count. But he was. Yeah. <laughs> but he was active throughout the entire game. Just talk about kind of just the team. It, it just seems like everyone is so engaged with each other, no matter what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, again, that, that's a huge challenge that, you know, coach always uh, gives all the guys is, you know, whether you're in there or not, you know, you're going to get your reps again, a guy like Maje, we don't need to see you out there for 30 plus snaps, right? Like we know you're dominant. We know you're going to do what you got to do. You got a high motor, um, all those things. And in a, you know, in another way, it gives those other younger guys a chance to perform and, you know, showcase their talents and put more evidence on film for the coaches to evaluate them as well. But, you know, it's, again, it's just, it's easy to, to be a guy that has played a lot of football to get their reps and then just kind of hang out to the side, you know, take your helmet off, put a ball cap on and just kind of, you know, chill. But, you know, that's, that's not the way our culture is. That's not our program. And those guys feed off each other. They want to see other guys, you know, have success. They want to coach up other guys. And, uh, you know, that that's what you want as a program. You want those guys to be an extension of yourself. So if I'm Coach Scruggs and I'm on the sideline and I'm coaching my guys, if I got a guy like Maje who's out, I want him coaching those guys as well because that's only going to give those guys another voice, another, you know, teaching mechanism and all that stuff because those guys no doubt look up to Coach Scruggs and all the other coaches, but they're going to feed off of a guy like Maje even more because he's the guy that's done it on the field. He's the guy that has – all the recognition and all that stuff. So that's a huge just testament to to the guys within the locker room because, um, you know, they just love love being out there and love their brothers. How are the the kids who came in specifically for spring uh, that are going to be freshmen next year, how are they gelling with the team at this point? They're doing a great job. I mean, they really have. I mean, um, you know, they came in with, the, with great attitudes, um, great work ethics, put their head down, kept their mouth shut, listened did everything they had to do, um, you know, went through growing pains just like anybody does. But again, I know I say it all the time. It's just a huge testament to the guys within the locker room because as a young guy, you're going to come in and you're going to want to do certain things a certain way. But when you look over and you see that guy doing it and you see the other guy doing it and that guy doing it, and that guy doing it, you have no other choice but to do it the right way. And uh, really proud of all those guys. They've made huge strides. And again, you know, selfishly being an early enrollee guy, all it's going to do is give you, you know, more to your plate to kind of put you ahead of the game when those other guys get here, um, you know, in, in, a, in less than two months. And, uh, you know, then they become the leaders of their class. So 
if I was a early enrollee freshman and the rest of my class gets here, you know, in June, well, those guys are going to look no doubt to the older guys, but they're also going to look to a guy like me who's been here since the winter because I've been through it. Right. So really proud of all those guys. How about Will Pauling making a play when the, 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 the walk-off game winner? Yeah, that was huge. Well, I mean, again, I call him the 40 year old man. Cause he looks like he's 40 in the face, uh, <laughs> but a uh, great kid, great kid works his butt off. Um, you know, just a, a very humble young man kid that, you know, puts in the work, very eager to learn, definitely follows, you know, the, uh, the leadership of the older guys and all that stuff. But um, it was, it was pretty cool to see him catch that pass and take off because he's a burner. He's another guy that, you know, he'll put up some crazy numbers. So uh, after the game, first off, Luke was doing his press conference and a couple of players were, were not running off the field. That kind of speaks a little bit to the culture. I would imagine that's something that you guys kind of engrave on them. Two-part, answer that first. Yeah, so uh, again, just, you know, from day one when we got here, you know, whether you're on the field and the series is over, you know, maybe the ones are out there and then the twos are coming in, the whole purpose is you run off the field. Does that mean it's a dead-ass sprint? No, but you got to jog all the way off the field. And then, you know, at the end of practice, yeah, you know, coach brings it up. We get a little talk. You go see your coach, you get a little stretch, you get a little words of wisdom, and then you jog off the field, right? I mean, it's just – it's a respect thing. It's a, it's a culture thing, no doubt. I mean, we never, we never walk um, anywhere. We never walk through anything. Even a walkthrough is basically a run-through. But, uh, you know, it goes back to uh, one of coach's favorite quotes is, they'll walk if you let them. And no doubt, we never let them. Okay. Part, part two, another fit, you know, great thing that came out of that press conference and Michael Young Jr.'s press conference was that, yes, the, the team might be a top 10 team right now, but they, the, the focus is to be a top 10 program. Where do you stand on that? And, and do you think you guys are, are kind of right there scratching on that surface? And, and what do you think it takes to get to that next level? Absolutely. I mean – you know, I'd be lying. I mean, I, I talk to coach, you know, every single day, but, you know, for the past few days, I've just been talking to him. And even, you know, recently after the spring game and all that stuff is the biggest challenge that we have is yes, we have talent. Yes. We have a great team. Yes. We have a, a top 10 and all that stuff and projections. You can take all that. You can crumble it up and you could throw it in the trash because none of that means shit. You still got to play the game. And at the end of the day, when you break down the team, there's still certain guys, right? There's individual goals. We have our team goal, but there's so many things that, you know, we can do as a program and no doubt that I take as a challenge and a huge opportunity to continue to develop these young men, to put them in a position to better the team, to perform at a high level, to do what we want to do. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's one of those, it, it, it's what gets me up in the morning. It's what, you know, I, I get excited about because, um, you know, there's, I would never, ever let these kids down and that, you know, that's kind of like a huge testament to who I am and just, you know, what we're all about here at the university of Cincinnati, but we're, we're never satisfied. Like anybody can pat you on the back and tell you, you had a great year, man. You guys have had a great three years. You guys are doing really well. You, you got a great strength, strength program. You got great coaches, this and that, like, that's fine. You can pat me on the back all you want. 
I'm never going to be satisfied. I'm going to selfishly always want more for myself, for my staff, from this program, but no doubt from these kids, because there's still so much in there that we can get and develop and enhance. And it's just all about, you know, kind of fine tuning those certain things and meshing everybody and bringing the team together. And um, I'm, I'm so excited. I mean, I was talking with my guys today. I said, you know, yeah, we got a little break after the spring, but you know, sorry, wife, sorry, kids. I mean, I, I I'm just so excited. There's so much I got to do. There's so much I'm excited for and to get ready. Um, because obviously, you know, with, with bigger expectations come bigger challenges and all that stuff, but you know, who wouldn't want to be in this position? We, none of the people that came to the university of Cincinnati coaches and players included, they knew what we were signing up for. You know, if you wanted to come here and be a potential top 10 program, yes, we're a top 10 team, but a top 10 program, there's a lot of work we still have to do. And uh, again, I know I say it all the time, but credit to those kids in the locker room, they feed off it. They want it. And I think they're eager for it. They're excited for it. And, you know, I, I just can't wait to keep it rolling. How late do we have you tonight? Are you on a time limit? I'm not on a time limit. Okay. I'm just happy that we started early. Okay. <laughs> just wanted to make sure. Um, Cause we do have a ton of questions specifically for you from the mailbag today. So oh, there we go. Um, I don't know if you're ready to transition into that or if you guys still have questions from the spring game. Yeah, we can transition there. Fair enough. Well, first question we have for you, um, do you create specific weight training programs for each position group, or is there a lot of blending for certain position groups, like the wide receiver and defensive backs or the O-line and the D-line? And uh, what is a typical program for uh, the rake or any other specialists? <laughs> um, well, let's see. I mean, first off, I, I don't like to do any individualized things. Um, I'm a big component of, you know, if I'm a guy that's lifting at this rack and I look down at a couple of racks down below and I see someone doing the same thing as me, it's kind of like, all right, cool. He's doing the same thing. I'm doing. Now, obviously there's certain things where you got to make some modifications to guys, whether they, you know, have a low back issue or a shoulder issue or whatnot. Um, so we can kind of do that as uh, coaches within the workout on the fly, things like that. But um, you know, I'm a big component of everybody's doing the same thing. It might not be the exact same exercise or the exact same ref scheme, because let's face it, some guys need certain things. Like, you know, I said it in our earlier podcast with a lot of our older guys coming back, they don't have to do a lot of the things that, you know, the younger guys have to do. Why? Because they've proven that they've already shown their toughness. They've shown their um, work ethic and, you know, how much they're going to fight and, and give for one another and obviously played a lot of football. So there's different things we can do to take care of them and still train them and enhance them. But at the same time, there's still kind of like, you know, that backbone of who we are as a program and who we are um, as individuals, as, as Bearcats that kind of make us who we are. And that, that'll always stay true to our hearts. But um, you know, when it comes to the rake, obviously there's not enough calories he could eat. There's not enough weight he could press, pull, shrug, um, squat, anything, you name it. But, um, you know, you kind of do kind of take certain positions into mind when it comes to conditioning. Obviously, I'm a huge component of that. Your O-line, D-line guys, they do not need to be running, you know, 300-yard shuttles, 110s, and, you know, 40-yard dashes and all that stuff because their game is played within two to seven yards. So, you know, we'll, we'll condition those guys and train them a little differently here and there. Um, 
you know, your big skill guys, your wide out or your quarterbacks, your running backs, your tight ends, your linebackers, they're going to average about, you know, eight to 17 yards per play. Um, and then obviously your wideouts and DBs are going to be anywhere from, you know, 15 to 25 plus yards of play, depending on the route or whatnot. But, um, you know, we, we, we try to develop each individual the same, but also we tweak it to their individual needs, which sounds kind of crazy, but um, we're never going to, like I said, we're never going to change who we are as, as a program, who we are um, to our core, but um, there's obviously things we can do to enhance certain individuals at certain times. You know, but my 18-year-old self would have really wished that you could have told my high school coach that the O-line and D-line, we don't need to be doing the same conditioning that these running backs and wide receivers and DBs are doing. But uh, you know what? That time has come and gone. So <laughs> you're a little late to the party there, Brady. But uh, let's talk about one of the offensive linemen. Sure. Cam Jones, uh, obviously a, a project. But how is he kind of morphing? How is he progressing and and what's his process what what are you kind of tinkering with him to mold him into you know a stud offensive tackle yeah I mean Cam obviously is a huge human being I mean came in he's 6'8 when he got to us he was like 270 pounds and you know he was a quarterback athlete whatever from you know Kentucky and all that stuff and you just kind of always saw it you were like dude you are going to be a special special O-lineman because you're just so big you're so you're so strong. Yes. I mean, not a knock to him, but you're just, you're not as fast as some other guys. You're not as, you know, highly skilled or whatnot. And, uh, you know, it just kind of evolved as the year went on that, you know, Hey, your best position would be O-line because you're, you're the most athletic. You, you know, you have strength, you're extremely smart, intellectual, you're a good, you know, football player, all those things. Let's put you in a position that's going to help you and also help the team. And, uh, you know, to his credit in the off season, he finally dived in with it and he's been, he's been awesome. I mean, Cam's a guy, he's going to train his ass off. He goes so hard in the weight room. He goes so hard on the practice field. Um, he just wants to be great. And I think, you know, as we see his progression through the next year, it's only going to be night and day from where he's at now. And it already is from where we started in the beginning of the spring till now. So really proud of him. Um, just going to continue to keep pushing him and, and forcing him to be, you know, one of the future guys up front for us. So people are asking, because obviously with the things going on with the basketball program, as of late, um, what is, you know, some of the different things that a strength and conditioning coach for a football team would have to do differently than a strength and conditioning coach for a basketball team. And do most, most coaches in your position, do they fall into one category or sport, or can you just kind of easily, bounce between the two sports? Well, I'll kind of, I'll kind of start with the latter part first. Um, I mean, you know, my former boss at Ohio state, I mean, Mick Marotti was the uh, head strength coach here at the university of Cincinnati in the early nineties for a long time. And, you know, he was coach Huggins strength coach. He was the strength coach for coach Minner. Um, you know, so he did, he did every sport and that's kind of been like, you know, the older way where, you know, you had a strength coach and he kind of took care of all the sports and all that stuff. But obviously through the years, things have evolved and, you know, you have the strength staff of a football program and basketball and the other sports and all that stuff. But, you know, if you're really good at what you do and you get the best out of, you know, your student athletes, yeah, absolutely. You could, you could do both, but um, you know, again, we're, we're thankful that we have a designated staff to just football 
and there's a designated staff to just, you know, other sports here within the university. Um, but, uh, you know, to talk about, you know, do you train people differently? Like, no, I mean, again, the sport requirement is very different. You know, football is totally different than basketball. And I hit on it, you know, in an earlier podcast, but, you know, football is played on turf. It's played on grass. It's very tough. It's very physical. It's very demanding. Basketball is very demanding. Uh, it's played on a court, a hard surface. And uh, so, you know, the way you condition, the way you do certain things, you obviously have taller athletes. You know, you're going to have guys that are, you know, six, five plus, and we do have those guys as well, but, you know, so you got to kind of think of how you're going to train them differently. Um, the energy systems that you train are very similar, but also at the same time, you know, somewhat different depending on the time of the year. Um, but it really comes down to just, you know, getting to the heart of the student athletes. Again, I said it earlier and all that stuff, but anybody can write a workout. Anybody could train anybody. It's not about the what it's about the hows and the whys. So, you know, when I, when I think about, you know, a certain football player or basketball player, how are you going to get the best out of them? You rip your chest open, you give them your heart, you hope in return that you develop that relationship. You build that trust, that respect, that love with them, that they give you their heart. And then, you know, that's, that's where true progress is made, but um, that's how you got us. That's, that's exactly how I got you guys. (laughs) So, but, um, no, I mean, <clears throat> you know, there's certain movements, obviously, yes, you would want to do with football players that you probably don't want to do with basketball players. Um, again, basketball guys, what's their prime movement? They're running and jumping nonstop. So maybe you don't want to load up their spine and squat as heavy. Maybe there's some alternative exercises you can do. Um, you know, it's just, it's all about just fine tuning certain exercises, prescriptions and all that stuff. But really when it comes down to it, you're still developing the heart, the mind, and the body. And ultimately, at the end of the day, I think the heart is the biggest thing that you can develop. Got a, uh, a two-part for you. First I off, that. I got to talk about this Royer character again. This Ryan Royer guy, you know, if he was in WWE, because obviously he would be a, a phenomenal character in that, or, you know, wrestler, if you will, who is he – best fit to go up against that is currently on the team who would who would be the best matchup wwe match between ryan royer oh man we'd have to go with michael cope cope which okay. is really his last name is cope Dosky or you know something extremely long and crazy Kopegarotsky. there you go but uh cope as we refer to him because those two are kind of like the yin and the yang they always seem to find each other and, uh, you know, with Royer, you got the crazy nut job, you know, Hacksaw, Jim Dugan kind of guy. And uh, with Copay, you're going to have like a little Russian twist to him. He's going to come out with a beard, whether he shaved that morning of or whatnot. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that, that, would be, that would be a good matchup right there, Copay and Royer. Okay, I like that. I like that. And uh, next, kind of on the same fun feeling of it, uh, who were the biggest practical jokers in the training room, are there any favorite victims of jokes or any coaches that are victims of jokes as well? In the training room, as in like the athletic training room, because you know, training room is not the weight room. I, I think they meant weight room. I'm I'm going to give them a pass. We aren't going to call out the user. Let's go with the weight room. How about that? 
Well, I, I would be hard pressed to say that there's no practical joking going on in the weight room. If so, we better be be doing like arms at the end of a workout because there shouldn't be any practical joking. Um, well, how about the characters that come from the weight room? How about that? Oh man. I mean, number one that stands out obviously is Ahmad. He's a huge character. Um, he's a guy that's going to, you know, rag on other guys and joke with others and hold court and do all that kind of stuff. But, uh, uh, another guy that might be, you know, one of those guys, man, that's tough. Cause we don't, we don't allow that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? That's just who right. we are. I'll say Ahmad just stands out the most. Ahmad. Okay. Okay. And then we, we all know that you didn't really fall for the, the coach fickle prank, <laughs> but, uh, I think there's a couple other on the staff that were a little bit more, uh, susceptible to it. We, we won't call them out either. Just go back and watch the video, and you can draw the conclusion for yourself. <laughs> Pat Lambert. It was his first like, week, man. Pat, Pat Lambert, but, you know. Poor Pat, yeah. <laughs> so a lot of people want to know kind of what the in-between between now and the summer looks like before, you know, things kind of get real, like, rolling as far as, like, your summer regime. So, you know, how many guys are you expecting to see in the weight room between now and then, um, and what does – like what, how much of a role are you having in, in what they're training in between now until you get your hands fully back on them again? What does that all look like? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, we had the spring game, you know, on Saturday and then this week, like today, you know, we had meetings and liftings and uh, we'll still have two practices this week. Cause we still have it in our schedule and, you know, it's still allotted um, through our, you know, the way we set it up to get 15 and all that stuff. So we'll kind of have some cleanup, you know, fine tune practices this week and, uh, you know, do some more meetings, watch the film from Saturday, evaluate, find ways to push our guys and get the best out of them and, you know, kind of give them more motivation for, you know, the summer and the fall camp and all that stuff. But uh, when it's all said and done, you know, the guys will have exams and all that stuff. And uh, at the conclusion of that, um, we'll have, uh, you know, some, some weeks off where, you know, we want our guys to get a break. We want them to go home. We want them to be able to get their minds and their bodies, you know, away from, you know, the grind that they've been going through and all that stuff. And when we get back in uh, in May, whenever school starts and all that stuff, we'll kind of slowly get back into it. And then, uh, you know, we'll be ready to rock and roll for the summer because, you know, the summer's going to be here just as fast as we know it. But um, our guys are going to get a little break, which will be good for them and, and for us as coaches as well. But like I said earlier, I'm as eager to start. I could start tomorrow if need be, you know, we kind of do need a little break after the end of this spring. So it'll be good. Are you a big book guy, Brady? Do you like books? Uh, I mean, books are good. Yeah, sure. I like some books. Um, We've got a book question for you. You know, I, okay. personally, I think the last book I read was like Chitty Chitty Bang Banger. Something like that, like yeah. You know. That's a great movie, by the way. It's a great movie. Okay, there you go. See, We're, the more you know, how about the that? more you know. But, but anyway, your favorite book when it comes to training, specific book, a training specific book that you love. I think I, I think this member wants to get to reading, and then yeah. your favorite non-training specific book. Uh. I mean, it's training specific, but it's really not. It's more coaching and more like, um, 
you know, tales from some of the greats. It's called the golden age of strength training. And it's just got a bunch of um, dialogue and stories from some of the best within our field. You know, luckily some of the guys I've worked for, uh, some of the guys my staff has worked for. And, uh, you know, you learn more from that, I think, than learning about, you know, a book that's going to tell you about, you know, uh, any squat progressions or deadlift and bench and all that kind of stuff. Because, you know, again, I know I'm a broken record and I said it earlier, but it's not what you do, it's how and why. And you learn more from coaching and connecting and building relationships with kids than you do about just writing a program or doing a certain workout. So I would say that one kind of sticks out to me. It's kind of fresh and, you know, hits home to me because I know a lot of the people in that book, um, but a uh, non-strength training book, I would say uh, the most impactful on me was probably the book that, you know, I first read when we got here in 2017 and it was recommended by obviously coach Vic was extreme ownership. And that's a Jocko book. And uh, you know, that's just kind of something that I've held true to, you know, who we are here, who I am as a person, who we want to be, all those kinds of things. And uh, I mean, that's a book I would recommend for anybody, whether they're in sports or not. Brady, you're able to see the physique of the BCJ stack. Tell us, will we be able to handle the dungeon when the day comes? No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's say, all right. Let's think about it. If the workout is accustomed to who you are, then yes, okay. you, will be, you okay. know, if you can't I, try to do what the boys do, then no. I <laughs> am very, I am very good at 16 ounce curls, decreasing weight. 16, okay. ounce, not, not 12 ounce. I go, I go aluminum bottles. It's got standards. Okay. <laughs> that works. I, that works. I prefer lifting up, you know, semi-light, <laughs> but mine refills after a little while, if you will. So it's like solo, solo cups always work great. There you I, go. I, Believe it or not, I actually went with water tonight. Oh, wow. Well, there's a, a first long for weekend. everything, isn't there? You got a long weekend. I did have a long weekend. <laughs> but really, no, I, so. Brady, again, Brady, Brady. It was great seeing you. Chad, I, what, I, what you got? How do you react when your phone accidentally rings at two o'clock in the morning? How do I react? Yeah. Oh boy. Uh, oh shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it depends. Somebody, somebody in this in this Zoom accidentally called me at two o'clock in the morning. Oh boy. Friday. Friday. Right before the oh. spring game. It was too close to another name in the call log. I'm sorry. <coughs> my my biggest question would be what doing up at 2 a.m. Finishing up another podcast, actually. Okay. Well, credit to you there, Grinder. You're a grinder. Um, But then, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know because I'm a heavy sleeper. And uh, But no doubt if that phone goes off, I mean, you're going to pop up. You're going to be answered. You know, obviously your head's going to go to a negative thought. Like, hopefully nothing's wrong. But that would be be quite the – My my brain automatically went to – I'm going to kill this MFR in the morning. <laughs> and I had to restrain you from not doing it. So <laughs> all of us can, can, can kind of dig in through that. But I was lucky there was security everywhere at the stadium. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, Brady, so, I, you know, we'll, we'll let you go right before this, but kind of just your, uh, you know, spring practice is really dwindling down. Kind of what is your, your final reactions? Because when we next talk to you, it'll be, you know, about just kind of off-season things and, and different things of that sort. Kind of what is your closing remarks on, on spring practice and how it went after? I mean, obviously last year was crazy with spring. The world completely changed right in the middle of it. Kind of what is your just final reaction to what this spring bring? Um, I mean, it's just, you know, again, it's another opportunity for us to get better. And, uh, you know, knock on wood, you know, we've had a really healthy spring. And, uh, you know, we got to finish this week and continue that. But, again, it's just the only way you're going to get better at this game is to play it. And, I mean, you know, again, that's coming from a strength coach. Like, yes, you can be big and fast and strong and all that stuff. None of that shit matters unless you can play the game really well. And the only way you're going to play the game really well is if you practice it, if you rep it, if you study it, if you learn and watch the film and get better from it. So <clears throat> no doubt it's been it's been great to finally have, you know, a legit spring that we're all accustomed to and used to. Uh, last year is done with. It's over. We're not going to talk about it. You know, we're moving on. But um, very fortunate the guys that have put in the work. Um you know, again, we like I said earlier, we got something special brewing here. And, you know, everybody that's listening, everybody that's going to listen, everybody that follows this program, they know about it. But, you know, it's not going to come easy. There's still so much work that we got to put in. And, again, I know our kids are up to it. I'm definitely up to it. My staff's up to it. This program's up to it. And, uh, you know, again, we're not, we're not going to let anybody down. We're not going to take this for granted. We're going to keep pushing this thing and uh, see how far we could take it. Do we have a date for higher ground yet? Sometime in August. Okay. Where's, where's the nearest brick wall, Brady? You got me wanting to run <laughs> through one. And, and also, I, I understand my homework now is just just bigger pores and then find a towel, one that maybe kind of look looks like maybe a pillow, and just lay down, right? <laughs> is, that, is that what you're telling me? Bigger pores and a pillow. All right, I can do it. Whatever, whatever you're feeling, you know. <laughs> but again, you know, the 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 dungeon is always open to you guys. It's always open. I feel like you're going to put me in that eight to seventeen range, though. Whereas he's going to be in like the two to five. And oh man, no, I mean we'll we'll fine tune it. We'll start you off all off on the same program, and then we'll kind of tweak it as we go. I'm just ready for the Fast and the Furious. I got some wheels. That's right. <laughs> Technically, there's only been, you know, there's only been one on here that's been in the weight room. And that's Chad. He was he was blessed to be in the weight room, uh, what was it, a year and a half ago for the Squat Fest. Those weights weren't blessed, though. <laughs> you're, on, you're on mute, Chad. <laughs> I was at Squat Fest, and uh, I did not participate, although – <laughs> the biggest, the biggest, the biggest show at Squad Fest was watching Pat Lambert run around. That's true. That's true. Well, let it be known right now. I'm putting it on the table on April 19th, 2021. You are all cordially invited to Squad Fest. It'll be at the end of June, right before the July 4th break. Come one, come all, VIP only, and bring your cameras, bring your water bottles. It'll be a show. Tell, tell them tell them what time squad fest starts brady well again we can control that so maybe it starts at 6 a.m 
Maybe it starts at 8 a.m. I don't know. There'll be two groups, offense, defense. So make sure you get plenty of rest the night before. Don't call anybody at 2 a.m. So <laughs> Is that on a weekday want, or weekend? It'll probably be on weekday. a Friday. It'll be, be on a Friday. Well, well, I, I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. I, I won't be there. But uh, <laughs> everyone else will be there. I know they will. Because I saw it last time, and the footage was phenomenal. And with the with with the upgrades and, and different things that you talked about, the lights and everything that you've added, boy oh boy, can't wait to see what this next one's going to look like. That's right. It'll be it'll be it'll be one for all the ages. That's for sure. All right. Well, and anything else for you guys? We got to let let Brady go. You know, we we started early, but we still kept you on until uh, about the same time as usual. It seems must mean we're kind of building a little bit of. Shall we say chemistry? We're we're all oh, opening up a little bit. <laughs> no doubt. I mean, you guys act like you got a, another sport to talk about or something. <laughs> no, no, no. Nothing else <laughs> happened this past week. <laughs> Did something happen? I don't know. Did someone get hired? I, there was this weird thing on like Friday that took place <laughs> on TV, and like Chad was there. It was kind of weird, but who knows? I think Maybe we should we'll put talk a, about it here a bit. I think we should put a poll up: which coach is the prettiest coach that we've had on this week? <laughs> Don't put that poll up. <laughs> no poll need for denied. There we go. Poll denied. All right. Well, Brady, like always, thanks for coming on, man. Always a joy. Always a pleasure. You are the best. Appreciate you guys, man. Hey, coach. Good. Looking forward to seeing you guys and continuous on in the summer. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Right. Awesome, Brady. Thank All you. Right. Go Bearcats. Go Bearcats. As always, that is the myth, the man, the legend, Chiso Peaks, Brady Collins. Extended version. Love he it. is fantastic. We got to everyone's questions, though. Yes, we did. Thank you for everyone in the mailbag yet again. You guys are doing a fantastic job with that. It was a busy mailbag this week, taking the week off. <laughs> they doubled down. Yeah, I know. Well, <laughs> of course, for more on the spring game, you can read Aaron's write-up. Dave had a write-up. I'm going to get one out this week, just kind of wrapping up the entire spring practice as well. So uh, look for that. But my one thing I want to say about the spring game, I'm going to write about this a little bit as well, is just, yes, the defense was phenomenal. The defense was the, the one giant takeaway from the game. But the two things, uh, sorry, the, the one thing that the two quarterbacks that the Bearcats have in Desmond Ritter and Evan Prater is their ability to use their legs, their ability to run. When a defense knows that this quarterback will not be running, we, we don't have to constantly be aware that he might be able to take off and gain, you know, 12, 15, 30 yards. I think you're going to be a little bit more locked in on just trying to make sure that no one gets open in the secondary and trying to get to the quarterback on passing downs as well. So yes, as the defense dominated, Understand that there's that one little thing. Because remember, Aaron, there was a little scramble by by Dez that scored a, a touchdown. It was the cheat code, and and the defense was very frustrated about it. Yeah, because, because they cannot take down the quarterback. You're not going to be. You're not going to hit QB one. If you're the guy who hits QB one, you're probably having a, a conversation you don't want to have. No. So that's one ripple to think about after watching the spring game is that these quarterbacks cannot run the football, which this is probably. Dez's biggest attribute that he has is his ability to make big plays 
with his legs opens up passing for him as well. So just take that little, little grain of salt before we move on. Anything else for football guys? I mean, he does, no. does have the record, right? For, for longest run on the team in team history. Yes. So yes. he does. I'm guessing Dave and I will, uh, will, will double back and put a cap on spring football on Thursday. So okay. we can, uh, we can, we can move on. Time to move on, man. Uh, first off, Tomorrow is a big day. This uh, came through right before we came on the pod. Uh, 4:20 is not only a special day for a lot of people around the country, but it is now a special day for all Bearcat fans. As Tari Eason went to Twitter and said, "4:20, April 20th, with with eyeball emojis, seems like the decision day is set for Tari Eason tomorrow." And new head coach Wes Miller. Chad has had. You know, an emergency press, sorry, an emergency pod about it. He had a brilliant sit down with Wes Miller last night. How cool was that? Oh, it was awesome. It was all, you know, I, I think kind of what I, you, and because I live in Indianapolis, so I hear a lot about Indiana University and how they wanted just a normal coach, you know, just someone normal because they, you know, they went through Tom Crean, they went through Archie, Archie Miller. I, listening to Wes Miller talk, just not to you, Chad, but also in the press conference, but more to you. It just tells me Wes Miller is a normal, awesome guy that you can easily relate to, easily talk to, open to anyone. That is exactly a breath of fresh air. And Wes Miller, I, I mean, for him to hit you up, Chad, and say, let's record a pod. That tells a lot about the type of coach and the type of person that Wes Miller is. Well, I, I'll, I'll, some of that was um, the news stations get on, on press right. conference day. Yeah. The news stations get their sound bites. They get preference. Uh, Justin and I both got kind of pushed back because some of that took too long. And then we ran out of time because he had meetings scheduled with players, but still, which is okay. But, but, but so he hit me up and he, you know, it was kind of, we were supposed to talk at some point and that very easily could have been, let's do 10 minutes, you know, and, and you can get some quotes or whatever. Um, but he was open. It was like, let, like, are, are you good to do a podcast? He's like, yeah. How long you need? I'm like, I don't know. I was thinking like 30 minutes. It ended up being, we ended up talking for about an hour. I think 40, what, 47, 46, 47 minutes of it yep. uh, were, were, were the podcast portion of it. So, yeah, for here's the thing that impressed me. We don't, like, we talked Friday for maybe two minutes. Um, and then we talked for about 10 minutes before the podcast started. And that's the only conversation I've ever had with the guy. And podcasts are difficult because they're conversational. Like the, the, the first podcast with Brady is a lot different than the podcast with Brady now, because you guys have some rapport with Brady now, right? Like it's really difficult for somebody to come into a podcast and be conversational as the guest with a host that they don't know. Right. And he was right. very natural at it. Like it, it never felt uncomfortable. There were never any like, like pauses. I stepped over him a little bit because I talk a lot. Like that's, that's a me thing. Um, but 
I mean, but also, Chad, that's that's the West too. That you know, for you to be able to feel comfortable, yes, you talk a lot, but still, even in certain circumstances, you probably feel like you have to force it. But it was just more just through conversation. Which, yeah, we were just talking. Like yeah. you know, I didn't I didn't have like it came together so fast. There wasn't like a list of like topics I wanted to to hit on. It was I wanted to be. I wanted to be different than the press conference, like talk about some things that weren't talked about in the press conference, which I think we accomplished. Um, and other than that, man, we just rolled. Like I, we probably, I had a bunch of other questions that we didn't even get to that. He said, you know, get him back here in a couple months uh, and have him on where he's actually had some sleep. Cause he said he didn't remember anything that we had talked about for 45 minutes, but by the time we got done, um, so there'll be a sequel coming up here sometime in the summer, but it, it, it impressed me that he was able to just roll like there, you know, there was no send me the questions. There was no, you know, we can talk about this. We can't talk about that. I got him a little uncomfortable when I brought up Jordan brand. <laughs> uh, yep. but other than that, man, he rolled with everything and it was, it was really, really good. Yeah, it, it was. Here's yeah. a question I want to pose to you. Because I'm trying to weigh out the pros and cons of this hire. And the question I want to ask is, what's not to like about this guy? Like, do you have anything at this point that you can draw up a con? Because I'm struggling to find one. I, I haven't found the con list yet. I mean, it's early. <laughs> you know, he sees four days on the job. But I get it. Uh, so far, he has, he has done anything and everything uh, right. It, it, whether it's answering questions or addressing the fan base or showing how much he's going to work by, you know, doing everything possible to get, get this roster solidified so far. Checking in with um, the alumni. Yeah. Checking in with the alumni on day one, Yeah, like day one. So that, that he has taken every, every right step so far, which in talking to people that, that know him, that's not a surprise. Like that, that's who this guy is. He's also yeah. coming up from under Roy Williams. So, I mean, he's got a hell of a mentor to be learning yeah. from and, and bouncing ideas off of and kind of like, hey, what do you think I should do here, here, and here? Should he even have those right. questions? Yeah, and, and so I went to the uh, the old keyboard and uh, really voiced my thoughts on uh, one Wes Miller uh, after the press conference and I could not be more fired up. You can read through that again, kind of really voice all my opinions on him. I, and, you know, I kind of got to the point where if he really does a great job, he, you know, Wes Miller wrote the road to blue heaven. It was a, uh, a, a little book about his time as a player for the Tar Heels. You know what? If he dominates, I, I would love to write a full biography about you, young Wes Miller, but Aaron, my thoughts are out there on Wes. I think it was a, a home run hire because not only, did it get the the praise among the local local you know local people here? Some sides this, some sides that, but overall positive. When the national media chimes in like as much as they did to the hire, you know you did something right. What well, was your approach and your thoughts with the hire, especially after the press conference and everything up to now? Touching on the media, generally speaking, the media Cincinnati is not a media darling. Not in not in collegiate sports, not in the NFL, the Reds here and there maybe, but just generally speaking, Cincinnati is, is not a media darling. And I, I know that's 
painting things with a broad brush, but uh, so it was good to see such a positive reaction to something that somebody in Cincinnati did. And, you know, I, I go back to the question that I posed to Chad, find me some, a, a reason to say no to this guy. Find me something on the con list. I can't, I can't find anything. Now that said, he wasn't high on my list when his name even came up. Cause I didn't know anything about him having looked into him and, and kind of hearing his press conference and seeing the things that he's done already. It's just a testament, I think, to who this guy strives to be. And I don't know as a fan base that you could really in four days create this kind of excitement without being quite a character guy. You know, I, for me, it's just really his enthusiasm, his hardworking traits. You know, I, it's his stamina is beyond impressive right now. I mean, you know, like like Chad said, that, get the job on on Wednesday. You know, Rumble's about it. That that whole Thursday is just all about every single thing that you can do. You get it done, and then some coaches, uh, you know, some people just in general, when you've got a big press conference the next day, your thought that night might be like, okay, I need to get some sleep because I need to be sharp at this press conference. This is going to be my my opening press conference. No, he drove a four-hour round trip to Indianapolis to meet with Mikey Saunders and had the, the, the personal traits to talk to the Saunders family and convince Mikey to come back. I, you know, it's just, it's, that speaks just volumes. And then now, of course, he went out to the West Coast and, and did all that, was able to connect with, with Mason Madsen and, and, and the other players that are on campus. So he is just knocking everything out of the park. Well, but the next couple steps, go, yeah, go ahead, Aaron. I was just going to say, I mean, going back to his character, like in the press conference, he said something along the lines of, you know, I'm a single guy, no kids. I'm going to be married to the program. And his ex-wife saw that quote, got that quote, says, I'm entering the transfer portal. And he went and actually liked that tweet. Like, so he's got a sense of humor about it. And again, like just kind of shows that they still, she's talked about, you know, getting tickets and coming to Cincinnati games. So like that relationship's still okay, even post-divorce. So that's the kind of guy he is, you know? Can we talk about the real tweet of the week, though? What's that? Bob the Builder. <laughs> <laughs> you can't unsee Once you see that, you can't unsee it. Can you? you know, I, I hope that I see plenty more tweets from this, this person that you're speaking of, Chad. Yeah, but, like, Bob the Builder was just an absolute classic. Like, oh, and, and immediately people on the, on the message board are – calling him coach Bob, the builder <laughs> instead of coach West Miller. Like I'll, I meant to, like, if I could have gotten to it, I would have asked him on the podcast last night. Uh, if he had ever been in, seen in the same place at the same time as Bob, the builder. Cause I, I bet he would have had a good sense of humor about it. I bet he would have had some fun with it. I'm sure that was probably the first time I, if, if I had to go out and guess, but no, that was hilarious. But, and, and hopefully we see uh, similar tweets tomorrow on April 20th from the, uh, from the Eason side of things. But right now is, is when Wes is fully at work and, and coach Miller, pardon me while I call you Wes. Uh, but the next steps of course is, is building a staff and then filling out the rest of the roster and doing both of those kind of simultaneously. Chad, we've kind of, you know, I put, I put two names leaves. on the board. Yeah, yeah, we put out little tea leaves. And I mean, there's he coach talked about wanting 
familiarity with, with two positions on a staff of, of the exact assistance, or at least two. And it seems as if we're getting that kind of continuity. You know, UNC Greensboro fit with the two names that we've mentioned. And and one of them, uh, are, can we bring it up here on the pod? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So one is Mike Roberts. And I, the IU coach, uh, assistant coach for a while, under Archie, I believe it was, what, three years, two, two years? Two years, two years. Yeah. And the crazy thing that I saw after doing a little bit more research on Mike Roberts is the fact that, did you know, Chad, and you talked a little bit about New Hampton School and how Wes Miller went to New Hampton School. So did Micah Adams Woods. Well, in a roundabout, pretty, pretty unique way. So did Mike Roberts. So Mike Roberts is obviously older than both of them uh, by a decent amount. But Mike Roberts has a great past. Uh, you know, started as a grad assistant under one uh, Robert Montgomery Knight. Some some people out there might know him. Uh, IU. Of course, upbringing, he coached on a high level on the bench at IU. I think Mike Roberts is is about as solid of a hire that you can possibly get, and it really fits that familiarity role that Wes Miller really talked about. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you got a guy that, that you know, you has recruited in the Midwest, has played in the Midwest, uh, is familiar with the region, Um and he was Wes Miller's associate head coach for eight years at UNC yeah. Greensboro. So uh, you've got a guy that, you know, he's, he's familiar with, with what he's walking into and he's familiar who he's work, working with and working for. Um, I think Mike Roberts would be outstanding. And now that the UNC Greensboro job is filled, uh, and, it, and it wasn't Mike Roberts. I think the door is pretty wide open for Mike Roberts to uh, matriculate to Cincinnati. The the text that I got from an IU follower, big IU guy, was that Mike Roberts, always enthusiastic on the sideline, always, always engaged, uh, seemed as if the players liked him, and uh, also did a fair, fair amount of good recruiting as well. So Mike Roberts a big name would be a good addition as well. Then the other one is Andre, sorry, Andre Morgan. And he is currently at mid Tennessee state. Uh, Another connection obviously was with in the SoCon at UNC Greensboro. Uh, You know, it it just seems like he's got good ties down in Georgia. And there's a name that has kind of popped up a little bit on the boards, which would be a phenomenal addition on the team next year. And that's in the transfer, Juco transfer, who was who's currently who was committed to Alabama, decommitted. Is that kind of a, a name that you're seeing fitting that no, not other yet. assistant spot? There uh, Andre Morgan, yeah. Yes, Morgan, yeah. Yeah. We're, I mean, as far as recruiting, I think they are in a hold not a holding pattern, but they are waiting to see what happens tomorrow before yeah. they really develop a plan of attack on the transfer portal and, and start focusing on guys. Um, Cause you want to know whether or not you have Tari Eason back in the fold. So uh, I'm not ready to get into na- other names yet. Cause I think that's still developing. I think that's still a work in progress. Mm. Uh, but I do think, I do think Morgan is, is definitely a name to keep an eye on. Okay. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Right. right. Exactly. And, and if you've been here up to this point with us, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Aaron, 
that final spot, and I know this is kind of a little bit up more more up your alley. You've you've spoken with previous players at Cincinnati who want to be coaches, and Wes Miller has been completely open, saying that he will listen to any former player that has an interest and has you know the the ability to coach and has the proper requisites to, to come up and be on the staff. And I mean, what are some names that really stick out the most to you when it comes to that sort of thing? I mean, I know a couple. Yeah, obviously, I was going to say, obviously, we, we had both DeMar Johnson and James White on our podcast, and they both gave voice to it. And they both have not been, I wouldn't say shy about, you know, saying that they want to throw their hat in that ring. That said, I mean, I think if you're looking even at just the two of them as former players to potentially put on the staff, I mean, I don't know how you would pick James White over DeMar Johnson without having interviewed them. Um, that said, since we did interview them on a different light, not necessarily to the, uh, the the coaching aspect of it, but you know, just kind of getting to know their personalities. James is a hard guy not to like. He he does bring uh, I I would say maybe a little bit more energy than Demar, who's just kind of just steady, low key. You get what you get with Demar. He's he's going to be direct with you, um, but he's also not the guy who's going to be like the high ball of energy, like let's go. Whereas James kind of brings that in a different light. So it's, it should be interesting to see who he Look, brings in. Here's the thing. <clears throat> I don't know that there's anybody Qualified. yet that has the resume. I mean, that's, yeah. that's what you're going to look. You, if you're Mike, if you're Wes Miller, you've got a chance to really swing for the fences with your third spot. Well, well, not necessarily for for previous players, just in those three spots. I mean, there's numerous other positions on on a staff, not well, that's, just the three. That's what I would assistants. that's what I would get to is yeah. is would those be got would those guys be willing to start their path the way that that most guys start their path? Right. And that's director of player personnel, the director of recruiting, you know, mm -hmm. the it sounds like the ops guy is going to be filled by Chris Lapore, um, Lapore, Lapore. I'm not sure which way it's pronounced yet. Phenomenal um, follow on Twitter, by the way. Yeah. So it's a matter of, you know, are they a fit for that third spot? And if they're not a fit for that third spot, which I think they, they just needs to be a little bit more meat on the resume to this point. Um, you're taking an incredible leap of faith to, to give that third assistant spot to somebody that's never been on a bench before, uh, especially as you, you know, when you're, I, I think that's something that when you're settled, maybe like in year three, year four, when you have your culture set and your program rolling, you can take, maybe take a chance like that. But at this point, I mean, if those are, if those two guys are the first two guys, you, you've got a chance on that third guy to, to take a swing you know, and, and see how far you can hit it. And I think that is, you know, the way I would see things going ideally. And I don't, I don't have a name for that yet, but I think you take as big a swing as you can get. And then you work with those other guys and you say, look, like, here's what we've got in mind. If, if it feels like a fit and they interview and things go well, you say, look, here's what we got. This is what we're thinking. This is where we're at budget-wise in, in terms of what we can pay you. Um, is that a fit for you? And if it is, 
you know, then it's, then it's, then it's a match made in Bearcat heaven. But, you know, if it's not a fit for either side, people need not to freak out about it because at least those options were being fully explored. Chad, real quick for, for those that do not know, what is the difference between those three main assistants and the rest of the staff? What, what exactly, you know, are the main differences and then the main similarities between both, both all the roles? The three main assistants can go on the road and recruit. That, that would be the biggest thing. Also, the three main assistants are the ones that can be on the court coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some, you know, gaps where like GAs and student assistants, you can get out on the floor with the team. Uh, from what I've heard, Wes has been very big on his GAs being former players. Um, so even that, like if you're if you're a guy like Demar, if you if you have that desire to to go to graduate school, maybe you work your way in as a, as a GA for a year or two. Um, you know, something like that. I think is, is the entry point for those guys. As far as the three bench assistants, yeah, that's that's the the main differences is those are the three guys that can be on the court coaching at all times, uh, and those are the three guys uh, along with Wes that can be out on the road uh, on the recruiting trail once things open back up in in June July. Maybe Tobler goes back to grad school. Tobe's set. Tobe's got, <laughs> got a good job. He's making good money. <laughs> we, we we need to get Tobes on here soon. He was on Andy the Zoom chimes call. In on the on on the board like it's uh, like it's his, his side job, which is which is awesome. It, it, it is cool. kind of. I mean, I, the the thing I love about Tobes is anytime I ever send out the bat signal on and hey, I need you for something, Tobes is always there, That's always awesome. there. That is awesome. So there, there there's nobody in my time, fifteen years covering this program that that I have more love for in terms of former players than the legend that is Zach Tobler. <laughs> the legend. Amen. Amen. So I, trying to th- remember back on the last regime, I, I don't believe that the university official officially announces the assistant coaching staff until every role is filled. Um, no, it's just a matter of when the they go through. It's when they go through the, the HR process. Okay, so they can do one by one. It's, yeah, it's just a matter of like a lot of times what happens, though, is the, the, all that stuff will go in around the same time. So it'll all come out on the other end at the same time, which is why you see kind of things uh, announced in like larger numbers. But it's not a matter of like they're waiting for the whole staff to be filled before they announce. It's um, they just don't announce until you're hired, hired. Right. Um, and that's that's kind of I think where we I think that's the, the the spot we'll be in this week is guys uh, accepting the job, but not through the hiring process yet. Right. Yeah. Cause that, that was honestly dumb that I said that. Cause just looking at other jobs, you obviously see one trickle in at a time at other places. So ideally, how long would you think it takes Chad? I, I know you don't have direct answers. I know that you can't, you know, shake a crystal ball and, and come out with, with an answer, but, Ideally, would you see this wrapping up in, in two weeks? You know, maybe by the I end don't of Friday? know. I, Brent, did you listen just now? Oh, I did. I did. I don't know how, because it's all dependent on the HR process. Oh, no, I, no, I'm no. Not no, a, no. I'm not an HR know. wizard. I, I don't oh, know. I know. Right, but, right. But, so, but, but, then but how, but, but how you long know, do you think, Chad? But how long do you think maybe 
Yes. See, Aaron knows. I'm going to stab both of you. <laughs> Ideally, I would hope it's done by next week. And that would be just in an ideal world. Ideally, it doesn't matter because once they're hired, they're hired. Like, right. Yeah, they're they going to start it. working for you. I know. Look, I, I just look, look. I've known of guys in the football offices working for like two and a half, three weeks before the yeah. official announcements made. Right. Right. Mike Trestle was in the building like immediately after it kind of leaked that, right. that he was the guy. He was there the next day. I think the announcement was like two weeks later. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It's I like, guess I'm just it, kidding. I'm it, kidding. It's very similar to like the stuff on the mailbag where they, they're asking me like, what's up with this guy? What's up with that guy? Yeah. I promise. When you hear it. It is, it is my, literally my job. Right. That when I hear it and I can share it, I do. We like we've known two of the three coaches for like three days. And, and right. So, look, I'm not holding out on you guys. I promise I'm not. I, I promise I understand that the business is information. And as soon as I can get the information to you, I will get it to you. Like I'm not I, I'm not sitting here with something confirmed that I can post. And like sitting on it for four days just to fuck with people. Right. Now, so, it's something I would do, but I don't. <laughs> so, so, you, so you don't have a guess then? No, I don't guess. There's no guess. I mean, there. what about just a, a, a hunch? You don't, you have no idea when the, I think I've beaten this joke into the ground. I'm yeah, sorry. You've yes, lost you it. You've That's lost fine. it. My favorite thing though, is that coach Miller is saying that the, the urgency is there though. He wants to win in the first season. He wants to, to, to get the wheels turning as quickly as possible, which is why I think he really started with the current team first, and he's really been, been pounding trying to get those players in the portal back. Well, you have to know what you have. Right, right, right. And, and so tomorrow's big with Tari's decision. And I think after that, I think maybe some dominoes then really do start to solid, you know, fall a little bit more not, not quicker, but kind of just a little bit more evident. Well, another name, you'll start to see a lot more names. You'll start to see yeah. a lot more names. Right. But another name that recently just hit the transfer portal, which we'll touch on it a little bit, was Chris Vogt coming out today. And so he his name is in the transfer portal. And, you know, kind of was an interesting thing because, you know, who knows if the previous regime was still here, if the option of – vote using that extra year of eligibility and coming back. Who knows if that was the option, but Chris vote is in the portal right now. Just had to announce that news. So um, his time here, it seems to be done. Uh, so it's a little bittersweet. Yeah. There's a whole lot of people that showed their ass on Twitter today. Yep. Yeah. They, they, there was, I mean, at the end of the day, the, the kid, there's no way he was happy with what his end product was out on the court but did he try all the time you just i don't know you you feel bad that it never really clicked yeah yeah look the kid gave everything he had and, and yeah. you're you're not being funny you're not being cute he played injured by being an asshole you're not right that right. that stuff i don't know i that's the, that's the 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 part of social media that i really hate like haha yeah. look at me i'm i'm shitting on a kid that did everything he could for two years to help out my favorite team. Go and he was always yourself. good to the media. He was always 
just really nice. He was like he was a guy that you he, he never was going to represent the program in a bad way. He yeah. wore his, he wore his emotions on his chest. Like you could see when he was struggling that he was literally like mentally struggling. Like you just felt bad that it, it like I said, just never clicked. But when he was throwing down a two handed slam, he would flex. So high. You know, and so, so yes. So, you know, pay Happy respect trails. where we're respected. He, thanks. His, thanks to Chris for two years. Happy yes, trails. Yes. Thanks to Chris for two years. And I will always remember that, that stretch in, in what, two seasons ago, the first half of the year. Wow, that was a dominant force in the post. So, yeah, thank you, Chris, for your for your service here. And you know, what? it'll be interesting to see where he lands or what his next move is. But yeah, Chris vote in the transfer portal, and obviously the biggest next news will be tomorrow on April twentieth with Tari East's decision. But Wes Miller, one thing that we we've, we've seen obviously is that he can be personable, he can relate, and he's going to work his behind off. A little behind there, uh, Aaron Melbag. Anything left before we get uh get this one all wrapped up? We do. And first question caught me off guard. I didn't see it going there. <laughs> um, so, how does the one point three million dollar assistant coaching pool relate to other teams in the AAC and overall? No idea. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. I didn't know if you had any inkling whatsoever into that. And that one point three I mean, is not just for the three assistants, is it? Is that no? Uh, it's the whole uh, staff. Yeah, yeah. it's well, your ops guys. It's your staff. It's it's. I think it's your strength coach, but I'm not positive on that. Can we compare it to John Brandon's pool that he one, had available? One point one, one point one five was John's. So yeah. at least that gives us a, a kind of measuring stick, if you will. Basically, they added the money for like a full position or two. Okay. Big name, big swings. I like it. Um, somebody did ask if the Louisville series was still on. I'm going to safely assume that until we hear otherwise, things are still set. No. No? No shot? No. No, no. no contract? It was just a backdoor agreement? No, I mean, every, everything was kind of voided this year. Like nothing, none of those contracts really could be honored. So. So does if that mean? You, does that mean anything with the the home series for the uh, the crosstown shootout? No. <laughs> I, I I worry about you two sometimes. Um, I, I I like I I don't think uh, I don't think you see Richmond probably happens. I think that probably goes by the wayside. But basically, like it, from what it seems, like there's no like there's no legal recourse for forcing the series to happen because terms were kind of broken by the pandemic. What about that? So tournament? what's that have to do with anything? I mean, would that still be something that we'd still be invited to at this point? You think the one that was supposed to be played last year? No, this, this upcoming year. Why would that be voided? Well, I'm just asking. That's still on in Kansas city. Yeah. That's still on Illinois. And yeah. Yeah. That's, that's still, that was something that was done in advance that doesn't have anything to do with last year last year last year is the year that creates the problems uh because those 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 games didn't happen so like the argument legally would be that the contracts were voided because the games were unable to be scheduled because the season started after the games were supposed to be played pretty much um 
So no, I don't, I don't expect Louisville to happen. That was a Chris Mack favor to John Brandon. I don't guess Chris Mack is, is looking to do UC any favors right now. Just a hunch. So do you think that another question that came up, do you think John Brandon ends up on Chris Mack's staff? No, no shot. Chris Mack's in hot water. You're going to, you're going to take the, the drama that's going and following John Brandon right now and add that to your staff. I, I don't think that's a smart idea personally. Uh, what are your thoughts on Jeremiah Davenport at the three? Uh, are we going to play small ball or are we going to continue to uh, push guys up a spot? Um, I mean, I think he's a four. So uh, he's going to have to do a lot of work developing his skill to really be a three. You know, he doesn't have the handles from the perimeter to be, you know, it's, it's what we've talked about before. Like, where are you a mismatch? Like that's where basketball has gone, right? Yeah. Basketball is not gone. Basketball has gone away from position. It's position, not necessarily position, but like gone away from playing guys up where they're not a mismatch. Like Jeremiah Davenport is, is a, is a good three. He can be a great four because it's such a difficult thing for fours to have to deal with the things that he does. If he can, if he can continue developing his skill, uh, I, I think there are minutes for him at the three. But as it stands right now, like he's a shooter, he's a straight line driver. Um, he he's not a guy that's really gonna gonna beat you off the bounce on the wing yet. Can he become that? Yeah. But from what we've seen of his skill set so far, I think he's most effective as a as a stretch four that really stretches and puts pressure on a defense because that's the name of the game. Now the name of the game is not, you know, playing Jeremiah Davenport at the three playing somebody bigger and, and more plotting or, or less skilled at the four. And then you have a five. Now there's no spacing when you do that. Right. Like uh, Jeremiah can give you spacing from the three, but then, you know, depending on what that four looks like, then your one, two, and three are all your spacing. And, and and teams just sag off of your four and five, which means teams are just waiting there for you in the in the lane. And what we've seen uh, at Greensboro from West Miller, and and what I would assume we'll see going forward, his teams are really big on driving kick. Mm-hmm. And driving kick doesn't work if the four and the five are just sagging in the lane, waiting for you. You know, at the 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 bottom of the circle, below the free throw line. Well, definitely you can't you can't get any depth. Davenport might be our best catch and shoot guy on the team outside, right. of, maybe, and, outside of maybe Mason Madsen. Okay. So let, yeah. let's take that. Let's take that, that, that that's a great point and let's take it into consideration. So if he's your best sh- catch and shoot guy and he's playing the four, mm-hmm. what happens to the other team's four? He's going to have to go outside. Out. Yeah. He's, he's right. going to have to tag Jeremiah, which means the driving kick lanes open up even more for the, for your one, two, and three, like that's just the way the game is changing. Like it's almost, it's almost to the point that like, we've got to throw, like I'm, you're, we're about to abolish the term power forward because it's not a power position anymore. No, it is a skill position. And, and, and when that term was created, 
the 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 four was was the weak side rebounder. You know, the four was 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 banging in the paint with with multiple yeah. big guys. Like that's that's not what the position is anymore. Like it, it, it's and and that's what that's what sucks about where we're at right now in this transition into the modern modern day game is there's a there's a negative connotation on a guy like Jeremiah Davenport playing the four when there shouldn't be for because that's that's where the game is evolving for reference sake last year on UNC Greensboro the the prototypical four if you will because they they started three guards uh six foot six one six four and then they had a six seven and a six nine that that were normal starters. The six seven, big if you will, poor man, attempted to one hundred and forty eight three point attempts. <laughs> right. So if if that tells you anything, that tells me everything. Jeremiah Davenport as that filling that role, and then of course, like you said, Chad, kind of a straight line driver as well. When when the four has to come out and defend, that's when a blow by can happen, and, and Jeremiah right. can get to. The, to, to the rim. So kick, pump fake a closeout, pump fake a hard closeout, straight line drive to the rim. Like that's that's what he's best at right now. Yeah. Like I said, I, I'm not saying that he can't develop that stuff and add that to his game going forward. But from what we've seen right now with Jeremiah Davenport, his best bet is as a mismatch, making teams have to stick him as a catch and shoot guy, as a pick and pop guy playing the four uh it'll be interesting to see uh, the the questions about like what what west miller's offense is going to look like we don't know yet i i will say this we're going to be more informed yes by the, by the time you start That's, getting some guys that is no 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 well we're going to be more informed yes okay. because the, the the doors are good. The the doors to the dungeon, the doors to the dungeon on the basketball side <laughs> are are not going to be barricaded anymore. The, the basketball equivalent of the dungeon, if you will. So the the, the practice gym is not going to have a, uh, a, a a a chest of drawers <laughs> uh, placed up against it, or and or it will not be chained up like uh, Coach Carter. If you will. Let's let's just say when June hits and summer workouts start, the info that members used to love getting in the summer a couple years ago should return. So I've been invited to come to practice whenever <laughs> I want. <laughs> yo, yo. So let's get to the next question then. After we is this going to annoy me? Is this another one that's going to annoy me? I don't think so. No. Okay. Um, have you heard anything in regards to um, any of the guys that haven't that we haven't heard from yet, as far as you know, any chance of coach reaching back out to Bryson Spell? Any shot of Mamadou coming back? DDJ? Do we know his status? Victor Lockin? Anything there? Yes, this is going to annoy me. We just talked about this. <laughs> When I know, I will post. I don't know of any of those things yet. See, I don't have I, answers. I set him up for that, for that, for that, that angry outburst. You son of a bitch. <laughs> I've got a fun fact for you guys. So Wes Miller, when he was starting as a junior for North Carolina, he had the number two offensive rating in the entire country in all of college basketball, every single player. 
So if that tells you anything more about kind of, you know, his, his offensive acumen, because he's kind of known a little bit to have defensive minded teams at UNC Greensboro, I think it's a case where, you know, the, the talent raises offensively and you are able to kind of tinker and modify the way that you want to as well. So I think that you're going to see good offensive numbers out of, out of someone that was a, a very good offensive player himself. So that's, uh, yeah. you know, you know, who you know, who recruited Isaiah Miller out of Georgia. I, I believe it was Mr. Uh, Andre Morgan. Winner. Here's, here's the thing that's interesting about Georgia. There is a crap ton of talent in Georgia. And it's not being recruited as heavily as some of the like, like the DMV or Texas or Florida. Um, right. There are kids you can go grab out of Georgia right now that are every bit like high level AAC type players that, that are kind of, I don't want to say slipping through the cracks, but like for whatever reason, Georgia's just not getting the attention that a lot of the other major basketball states are getting. I think it's kind of got that reputation as like a football state and basketball is really blown up there. So if that's what Andre Morgan can come in and capitalize on, like that is a really, really valuable dude to get on the staff. And the Bearcats have had some recent success with uh, some, some Georgia natives at Cashmere Wright, Trey Scott. So um, opening that back up would be, would be an awesome thing. I don't know if you could call where Trey Scott lives. I mean, it's technically Georgia. It's like where? Jackson. It's like North Jacksonville. Darien, Georgia. <laughs> yeah. It's like right. North Jacksonville. We got two quick questions and then one final question to close the mailbag. Um, the quick questions. Uh, what happens more, the times we punt or the amount of snaps Prater gets? I'll say the um, amount of Prater's going to get a lot of snaps. Yeah, snaps. I'd go snaps. I think that's the safe bet if you are a betting man. And we all know Brent is. Um, and then who uh, has more points next year in basketball, Mikey Saunders or Mason uh, Madsen? Mm. I think it's going to be a Mikey. tough one. That's a very tough one. I think it'll be Mason just based on the design of like the how they like to run offense. Yeah. Based on the three pointer alone. Yeah. He's going to get a ton of driving kick opportunities. So I'm going to say Mikey, just because I think he gets more minutes and I think that he's going to be in the driver's seat as the, as the point guard, if he's the guy bringing the ball at the court. Yeah, but if the if the design of the offense is driving kick, he's going to be the one kicking, right? I, I, yeah, I understand, but you also have to at that point defend the kick, which does open up the lane. Some, yeah, and we already yeah. saw what he could do with a, with a clogged lane. I, I think it'll be fairly close. I, I I think I would go Mason just from you know three points being worth more than two. Elite speed, three. Three is more than two. That is correct. It is. Thanks. Thanks, guys. All right. Let's close it out here with our last question in the mailbag. Um, it is, what does a successful first season look like for Coach Wes Miller? Get back to me in a month. <laughs> I, need, I need to know right. what the roster looks like. 
because there's there's a vast range of answers to this question, right? Sure. And I think tomorrow could be obviously a mammoth addition to that answer as well. So yeah, I mean, everyone wants to say you know back to the tournament or at least in the talks of the tournament, somewhat of a of a bubble team, if you will. So I I mean, if the pieces fall. You're looking at at a very strong core, and then you see what uh, West Miller can do with with the open spots and, and available playing time to the plethora of players in the portal. I mean, I just I just want to harken back to what he said last night on Chad's podcast, which is he wants to be successful immediately. He doesn't want to have this big long rebuild. So he, you know, yeah, I, he did that once. It sucked, right? <laughs> he, he even referenced that. He said he should have been fired. So yeah, I, I think he knows. How about like, that? can we talk about that? Yeah, I mean. The that guy is crazy part of that podcast. He is that guy so is like, genuine. Like he they just should have shit. They should have shit canned my ass like two <laughs> years before they did it. I, I did love how he was a bit more candid with his word choices as far as, you know, just kind of letting the, the swears fly. And just a little. Being, it wasn't bad. Well, I mean, compared to the press conference where he's like, we're going to kick Xavier's behind. Well, it, it was well, a they, bit more they were on ESPN plus. I, I mean, I, I don't know how much that means, honestly one way or the other but right this the, uh, the the bcj podcast network has grown a bit of a reputation for for, for letting let the foul language with... fly <laughs> it was i don't know it was just that speaks to my soul so i, I appreciated hearing that it just yeah i just genuineness the self-awareness of being like look they probably should have fired me a couple times mm-hmm. not right. like not like you know we reached a point they should have fired me but like their patience was uh, was 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 not expected. <laughs> five years. He got five. What? He got six years to turn it around. Oh, and, and by the way, that they weren't that, good after year five. Now, is that a contract extension? Right. Like, so at some point yeah. they would have, they would have had to extend him and, and even while he was losing, but they had yeah. that much faith in him, which I, again, I, I just goes back to my original point a long time ago when we were talking about it is just his character. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm super excited to see what he brings to the table. No doubt. Yeah. And, and Chad, that 2011 season that he talked about where they were kind of set up to fail. I mean, Florida state, Virginia tech, Maryland, Wake forest, Clemson, Duke. I mean, come on. <laughs> that's just. So he was in the ACC. Just... Was he in the ACC? <laughs> right. I mean, that, <laughs> that is a crazy, crazy schedule, but yeah. I mean, like you guys said, his, his candidness is, is kind of just his ability to understand that he doesn't know everything. He doesn't, he, he admits that there are things that he needs to learn. There's things that he needs to listen to other people tell him. And I think that's one giant thing that he doesn't get credit for is his ability to know that he needs to adapt to this new situation. So I'm really excited to see what he brings. Hopefully in five years, we're not talking about, he's just glad UC hasn't fired him yet. <laughs> right. That would, that would not define successful. That would be, uh, that would be the opposite. Good. Yeah. The opposite of where we think we're headed. Not much excitement would be spewed right. out during that BVP. I'll tell you that much, but right. anything else out of you guys before we wrap this one up? No, no. I, think, I think we're all Aaron. Good job on your recruiting bits. Uh, sure. More, more to come on that. Uh, I don't think there's anything on the horizon unless the uh, recruiting guru, Aaron, knows of anything. It looks like he's giving me a. No, uh, right now. Um, I mean, I'm just kind of getting to know some of these kids. Uh, yeah. uh, kind of uh, 
I know I feel like people wanted a little bit more than than what I gave them. Uh, but I mean, I talked to damn near everybody who was there. Like that, that's that's something. But uh, as I get to know these kids, hopefully they get a little bit more responsive with me. And uh, you know, by that time, it'll be time for a whole new regime to come in. And yeah. <laughs> so we'll you we'll see how that all. Cannot goes. force people to respond to you. You can try as hard as you want, but you cannot force for them to say something. So yeah, just a great job on that. Keep it up. Uh, Good work, buddy. Appreciate what that. I said, good work, buddy. Thanks, Dan. Brent, he's almost to the point where we're going to start talking payroll, like adding adding them to the payroll. Remove that intern tag, huh? It, you know, I. You guys haven't sold the podcast, like uh, you haven't sold any podcast sponsorships ooh. yet. So, ooh. what do you mean? Ooh, I've told you from the beginning. You, oh, no, oh, no, I'm to sell this like, thing like, from the beginning. Ooh. Like, so you know, all uh, you know now. Now that he's he's in charge of recruiting, I handed him the the keys to the ICR, which he didn't really understand the importance of the ICR to the Cincinnati football recruiting world. Like that's the mothership. Uh-huh. I, I've given Aaron keys to the mothership now. The acronym has been broken down. And didn't uh, have to have that explained. <laughs> if he calls me at two o'clock in the morning again and hangs up, I'm going to kick him in the nuts. Dad, no pro- what does no ICR mean? It's been keeping me up all night. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was. He was like, what the hell is ICR? <laughs> oh, oh, you got kids, it. Kids, kids these days. Kids these days, man. In kids all fairness, days. there wasn't an ICR over the last year. so I haven't turned. Well, Mick was the last one really to have the reins to the ICR. Well, I think well, Drew did a couple, but he didn't fully have like the you know, the, the, the keys to the car. I let him borrow the car a couple times. And Drew did a good job. He just, his schedule was, was always a little less did, conducive to, uh, to, to doing recruiting coverage. He did give me some love on Twitter last Yeah, night. he did. Was, Drew's a good nice dude. Of, that, nice. That was not a, that was an amicable, like it was just a matter of, it was inevitable. It was a passing of the torch though, literally yeah. from him to me. And that was, I thought it was very nice. The guy was very busy. He did everything I asked of him. He just didn't have a whole lot of time on his plate to really, to really handle the beast that is UC football recruiting right now. He's got a family and kids. I live in an apartment downtown. <laughs> right. You live in a van down by the river. Something like down that. By the river. Well, you did a good job, Aaron. Thanks. But uh, we did it. You did it. You did it. Well. We have yet again gone way too long, but a uh, special thank you to Brady. Brady Collins. was an hour. Brady was, was an hour. What? Brady was an hour. I know, but Brady's great. <laughs> I know. You can tell Brady's getting comfortable. It's he a good is. Thing. Very good. He thing. Is. And he was willing to answer every question that we had in the mailbag. Yep. No, Brady's Brady's the best. Yeah. So. All right. Let's get and, out of here. And we're going to take him, take him up on that dungeon invite. So we'll see. But uh, big special thank you to Brady Collins for my good friends, Aaron Smith. And for Chad Brendel, I am Brent Young. And again, this is the BBP presented by BearcatJournal.com. See ya.